You're listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. All right, so uh, welcome to the first Tuesday night gathering of the summer, y'all. Uh, <laughs> for those of y'all who don't know, my name is JT. Uh, I've been coming to The Journey for about a year and a half or so now, and uh, Brandon asked me to preach tonight since he is uh, in Romania. He and Lauren are doing a bunch of super awesome mission stuff with Beat and Bow, so uh, yeah, I get the privilege to come and speak to y'all. And so in thinking about what to talk about tonight, I decided that we should go with something a little bit obvious, and let's talk about summer. So I think for a lot of us, when we were little kids, going through elementary school, middle school, high school even, um, we really viewed summer as it was a vacation. It was a time to take a break, unwind, uh, just not think about stuff. Um, But for me growing up, I was always that weirdo kid that didn't like summer, and The reason for that was because summer was always a time that a lot of change happened. Uh, For me growing up, it was always we would be moving in the summer because my dad got a new job or, you know, whatever reason we were moving. Um, And so I always associated summer with being a season of change. And I think especially as we get older, that's really applicable. Everything changes in the summer. You have people graduating, which shout out to all my people that graduated this year. Um, You have people moving, you have people applying for jobs, people are transitioning either to different years of school or to altogether different schools. Um, You have people leaving, people returning, just everything's transitioning in the summer. And with that transition can also come a lot of hardship. And it can be really tough. Uh, In college, you get used to, for an entire school year, seeing the same people every single day for hours at a time, nonstop, and then suddenly they're gone for three months. You, uh, You may be going to a new school, and that can be really intimidating, especially like making the transition from high school to college. That's a huge shift that can be really hard at times. Um, You may be trying to figure out what the heck you're doing with your life. Um, I feel like so much for us from like when we turn 18, like well into our 20s, there's this expectation of we're supposed to know every single little detail of what we're doing with our lives. And in reality, that's not practical. And that can put a lot of pressure on us and make things really hard. You may be trying to get a job and there's all that pressure of, how am I gonna pay bills, pay for gas, pay rent, pay for groceries, all these different things. Um, You may be struggling to be motivated. Again, that comes with that mentality of summer's a vacation. And the older we get, unfortunately, the less of a vacation it becomes. Um, You may be moving away from your family for the first time. I know talking to some of y'all, and I know with myself coming to college, that meant leaving all of the friends and family and everything that I had and going somewhere where I knew literally nobody. And that can be a lot. And so that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight is 
seasons of change, but more importantly, hardship and how to handle hardship and how to remain faithful during hardship. And so in trying to figure out what scripture I wanted to use to talk about this, the book that really stood out to me was Hebrews. Um, There's a lot of books in the Bible that really address this, but Hebrews really stood out to me. And uh, I think if you understand the historical context of Hebrews a little bit, that can kind of help show that. So uh, if you're like me and know nothing about history or don't know the historical context of Hebrews just off the top of your head, uh, let me give you a little breakdown real quick. So Hebrews was written in either late 63 AD or early 64 AD to Christians in Jerusalem at the time or Messianic Jews. And with that, during that time, this is coming after years and years and years of intense persecution. Like, we're not talking like, oh, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. We're talking people were being beaten, imprisoned, killed for their faith. And this was coming both outside of the faith. You had the Roman Empire was still super prevalent at the time, and they were just wanting to take Christians out left and right. Um, Then you also had it coming from the inside. You had the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and all of those people that were persecuting people just as much. And so you had all of that going on during that time and leading up to that time. But then what's also crazy is just after Hebrews was written in the year 70 AD was when the temple was destroyed. And that was, so the temple in Jerusalem was the symbol of everything for them. It was where they worshiped, where everything took place. And the Romans came in in 70 AD and destroyed it. Like not just like trash the place a little bit, but like to the ground obliterated it. And this caused so many people to die and so many people, everyone just was scattered. So just imagine that. Imagine going through all of the day-to-day struggles that we already go through with relationships and school and church and all of this stuff. And imagine on top of that, dealing with all of that. That's what the audience of Hebrews was dealing with. And that's why I think we can really look to the book of Hebrews and really pull wisdom from it to help us in how to deal with our own hardship and our own seasons of change and struggle because everything they knew had been turned upside down and it was only about to be turned upside down even more. And I think that's how life can feel for us a lot of the time. So, how do we remain faithful to God during hard times? Would y'all go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll be looking at verses 19 through 39. Everyone about there? Okay. So, starting verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. All right, I want to pause here for a second because this passage is so, this section of the passage is so powerful given the context of what was going on at the time. Because in the temple, the way that the tabernacle was set up was there was a huge curtain that separated the rest of the temple from what was called the most holy place. And the most holy place was the place that was believed to be where a human could be as close as humanly possible to God. And originally under the Moses law, only the most high priest was allowed to enter that. But if we remember in Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 through 54, when Jesus died, that curtain completely tore in two to where anyone could enter the most holy place. And so that's what this part is reminding us of. Okay, picking back up in verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So now, I don't know about y'all, but when I read this, I was just like, how could you tell them that? Because this is coming during a time where like, if you met up like a bunch of Christians, you were more than likely going to be imprisoned, persecuted, killed. Something was going to happen because you were basically meeting up in a group. You might as well have just been like waving a flag around saying like, hey, a bunch of Christians over here, like come get us. And so to tell, be telling the audience of Hebrews like, hey, no, keep meeting up. Like that just, I read that and it was just like, how, what? So I just thought that was kind of cool. So then, Picking up in verse 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's just kind of an oof, if you ask me. (laughs) That just, and it's these people at the time they had been living under the Moses law. So they understood what this was saying of like, they saw people get punished by breaking the Moses law. So this is really telling them like, hey, you know that law that you've been living under and how bad it was if you broke that law? Imagine this new law under the son of God. Like imagine if you break that and just take that for granted. Looking at verse 32, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. I think it's so cool that the author says to remember those earlier days because the people that he's talking to like actually saw Jesus. Like they actually 
had been there, whether it was like their family members had been there or they themselves were there, whatever. like these people were around when like what Jesus did happened. So to tell them to remember that is pretty big. And then finally in verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. It, that's just really reminding them of persevering more. So, again, we ask ourselves, looking at this passage, how do we remain faithful to God during hard times? How do we remain faithful to him during those times where it feels like everything we're doing is in vain? Everything that we're doing is pointless. Everything's changing. Nothing makes sense. How do we remain faithful to him? First thing we see is in verses 19 through 23. And we see that you can remain faithful to God during hard times by remembering that Jesus restored your relationship with God. No longer is there a huge curtain that is separating us from the most holy place. That curtain was torn in two, and we're allowed to enter that most holy place, and we're allowed to have an open, loving, amazing relationship with the God of the universe. All we have to do to have that is repent of our sin and turn our hearts to Christ and let the Holy Spirit fill us up. That's all we have to do. And remember that we have that restored relationship with God. It's pretty cool if you ask me. Okay, so that one may seem a little obvious, especially because, you know, we're all at church. You're all probably saying like, well, yeah, we all have a relationship with God. Now what? The next thing we see is in verses 24 and 25. And we see that you can remain faithful to God during hard times by remaining faithful to your community. I know especially for me during hard times or when things come up, I just want to shut down. I want to not talk to anyone. I want to push everyone away. I want to just be like, I can handle this on my own. And I think that's something that a lot of us fall into. But the truth is, whether we want to or not, we need our community. Like, need them. I mean, the author of Hebrews, despite all of the persecution and everything that was going on at the time, was telling them to not give up meaning together. And we have to do the same. Because we need our community. It doesn't matter if you're 100 feet apart or 100 miles apart. You got to be there for each other. Because that's the only way you'll get through anything. And real community, it outlines what it is for us here. It says, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We got to support each other. And what that looks like, it's not just, I think we fall into this mentality of, oh, we just got to hype each other up and be each other's hype person. And everything has to be this like super fun, great time. Like we're going to the movies, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Sometimes friendship's hard, and sometimes you have to have those difficult conversations and hold each other accountable. You gotta support each other, but you gotta be real with each other and not let each other fall back into 
old patterns of sin or even new patterns of sin. You gotta have that real support with each other. Gotta have to have those tough conversations. So now looking at these first two points, it, they really focus a lot on the relational aspect of faith. They're looking at your relationship with God through Jesus. They're looking at the relationship you have with your community, with your friends, with the church. And it really culminates into the first of two big choices that you have to make in going through hard times. And so the next thing that we're going to talk about is that you can remain faithful to God during hard times by choosing Jesus over sin. And we have to remember that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus chose us over sin. So shouldn't we respect him and do the same? It's so easy, and I'm so guilty of it, of during hard times to take the easy way out and just fall back into those old patterns of sin and let yourself take shortcuts and just let yourself fall back. And that's the natural tendency, but you have to resist that. As hard as it is, you have to intentionally choose to do the right thing, even when it sucks, even when it feels like it's getting you absolutely nowhere. You have to choose Jesus over sin. All right, so now we're gonna kind of shift perspective a little bit, and we see in verses 32 through 35 something that's really interesting. And what it's telling us is that you can remain faithful to God during hard times by remembering how far God has already brought you. It, now I wanna preface me going into this by saying that I'm in no way telling you to start dwelling on the past and just thinking super intensely about every single little thing that's happened in your past, every past choice you've made, every past everything, because that's a super slippery slope that you don't want to fall down. But I think what this passage is telling us is that reflection with God over your testimony can be really powerful and really good. Because think about how far you've come. You, the person you are today is a completely different person than who you were a month ago, a year ago, five, ten years ago. And that's great. And we all have such unique, amazing, powerful testimonies that account for how we ended up here. And sometimes just taking the time and reflecting on that and looking back on that can be really good, and it can help you see how much God has already delivered you through. And so, in looking at that, what makes you think that God won't deliver you this time when he's delivered you literally every single other time? Remember how far God has already brought you. And so, this point, I feel like, really shifted the perspective from the relational side of things to kind of more introspective of how we look at our faith. And I think in doing this, this really leads us to the second of two big choices that we have to make in remaining faithful to God. And so what that is, is that 
you can remain faithful to God during hard times by choosing faith over fear. And so it is so easy during hard times or during seasons of change to just feel like what you're doing is absolutely pointless, to feel like you're putting in all of this work, putting in all of this effort, trying your best, trying to do what God's telling you to do, and feel like you're getting absolutely nowhere. Feel like you're moving back even. To feel like you're so distant from God, to feel like everything's just pointless. It's so easy to slip into that mentality. But that's false. And verses 36 through 39 really reminds us of that. It says, you need to persevere. Not you should persevere, not you ought to persevere, not it probably would be a good idea if you persevere. No, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Again, not might receive, not probably will receive, not could receive. No, you will receive what God has promised. And it's so interesting because looking past this passage, it then goes into the hall of faith. And that's so many people that throughout scripture were promised such big things. And sometimes they didn't always see it in their lifetime. You know, Abraham, Isaac, all of them were promised that their offspring would cover the earth. They didn't live long enough to see that, but God still delivered on that promise. And that's what we have to remember in this, is that God always delivers on his promises every single time. And I think also in going through seasons of change and hardship, we get in our heads how we think it should work out. We get in our minds how we think like, oh, like this should play out this way, or I should end up here, or this should be resolved in this way. And that's not always how God has it planned out. It, God has such a huge, beautiful, meticulous, intricate plan for all of us that we can't even begin to comprehend. We have no idea how we fit into it. And so we need to stop trying to think that we know how he's going to deliver us out of hard times because who knows how he's going to deliver us out of it. We have no idea the place we will end up. And chances are, if you let him work through you and choose faith over fear, you'll end up in a place far better than you could have ever imagined. All right, so I know that was a bit of a longer passage and I just kind of spewed a lot. Um, But I came up with a little acrostic that will hopefully help some of this stick and help y'all moving forward with remembering it. And so the word spells out faith because, you know, that's what we're talking about. Um, And so first letter in that is F, fully turn to Christ. I think this should be the first step, whether you don't know Christ, you're not a believer. The first thing you should do in a hard time is turn to Christ. But even for uh, those of us who are believers, whether we're new believers or have been believers our whole lives, this should be the point that we jump off from in going through hard times. We need to fully turn to him and just say, you know what? You've got this. 
I trust you, you can do it, I can't. And that's where we should start. Fully turn to Christ. Next one, A, always support each other. Not just the in the good times when it's fun and you know, you're going to parties or doing whatever crazy thing you want to do and having a great time. You got to support each other in the absolute lows. And you have to be willing to pick each other up, have those tough conversations, love on each other, even if you are pissed off at that person, because that's what we're called to do. (laughs) Always support each other. I intentionally choose to do what's right. This can be so difficult whether it's dealing with a really tough situation, dealing with sins that you struggle with, whatever it is, it can sometimes be really hard to do what's right. Because doing what's right is not doing what's easy. But we have to remember that we're called to a more difficult path, to a higher standard because of Christ. And we have to choose to do what's right. Because how big of a forget you is it to Christ if we just keep on sinning when he died for us? Intentionally choose to do what's right, even when it sucks. Next one, T. Think of everything God has delivered you through. I feel like especially when we're teenagers, everything feels like the end of the world. It's every bad test grade, every breakup, every everything, every fight with our parents, all of that just feels like it's the end of the world. I'm never going to get over this. This is all just so awful. But we're still here, aren't we? We still made it through, even though it sucked. Again, God delivered you through it then, What makes you think he won't deliver you through it now? I really love the Elevation Worship song, um, Won't Stop Now, and the quote of, my God made me a promise and it won't stop now. I think that's so true, and that's something that we so easily overlook. But think about it, you've made it this far. What's stopping it? Final one, H, it's the cheesiest one. Hold on to hope in him. Again, I know it sounds corny, but it's so true. It, he's not going to let you down. You have to stop thinking that you know what him delivering you through a hard time looks like. You have to stop thinking you know the exact image that he has for your life in the future. But once you stop doing that and just know that he always delivers on his promises... You can just hold on to that hope in him, and everything will be okay. It may suck for a while. No one ever said being a Christian was going to be super easy or always fun or anything like that. But he always delivers on his promises. So hold on to that hope in him. All right. As I wrap up, What now? So what if I've just 
not been paying attention, you know, it's not Brandon talking, I don't got to worry about it, whatever. <laughs> what if I don't start living out what we talked about tonight? What if you don't pursue that relationship with Christ? What if you push everyone close to you away and don't let them try and help you and just completely isolate yourself? What if you choose to keep sinning rather than choosing Jesus and just keep falling into those patterns and keep doing those horrible things? What if you forget how far God has brought you already and doubt him? What if you choose fear and choose to let fear fill your life rather than choosing faith? What then? Think about how just hopeless that would seem. What would you have to look forward to? What would you have to hope for? Think about how your life would look. Think about how this ministry would look. It'd be pretty bleak, wouldn't it? But now let's think about what if we do start living this out? What if we leave here today and we start acting all of this out? What if you chase after Christ with all of your might? What if you lean on the amazing community you have, be it here at The Journey or with your friends in school or with your family or whoever? What if you choose Jesus over sin? What if you thank God for how far he's brought you? I think that's something that's so hard is it's easy to thank God for the highs, but have you thanked him for the lows? What if you choose faith and let faith run your life instead of letting fear run your life? What would your life look like then? Think about how life-filling that sounds. Think about how much hope you can have with that. Think about how things might actually start to turn for the better. May not be today, may not be this week, but you'd at least have that hope and that assurance that it will all work out the way it's supposed to. Think about how the journey might start to look come this, by the end of this summer, by welcome week, by this fall. Think about the people that we could pour into and bring here and sh share the gospel with. Seems pretty bright, doesn't it? If there's anything that I've learned in my short 21 years of life here on earth, it's this. Life changes a lot. It can be really tough. It can beat you down and break you down to your absolute weakest. But faith in God, that's a heck of a lot stronger than all of it. Would y'all pray with me? God, I just want to thank you so much for today and for this chance for all of us to come together and dive into your word and worship you and just get to be in your presence, Lord. Thank you for tearing that curtain down and letting us enter the most holy place. And God, I pray that moving forward, we are able to continue to have faith in you during hard times and during seasons of change. And rather than turning away from a relationship with you or turning away from community, rather than choosing to sin or forgetting all that you have done for us and all that you've promised for us, 
that we just run to you with open arms and run to you with the assurance that you're going to deliver us through all of it and that you always fulfill your promises and that you and the community that you've provided for us is so much greater than anything we could ever imagine. And Lord, I pray for everyone in this room and whatever situations they may be going through, whatever seasons of change or hardship they may be dealing with. And I pray that you just deliver them out of it the way that they need to be delivered, Lord, and that you just allow them to be open to you, Lord. And I thank you again so much for all that you do for us. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us so that way we can have a life with you, Lord. We're so thankful for you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK.